Welcome to Anturia Diaries Prequel Stories, written and narrated by Heather Lynn McMillan and copyright 2022. Content warning. The Anturia Diaries prequel stories consistently feature themes of graphic violence, profanity, controversial topics, and sexual content. As such, these podcasts are not suitable for listeners under the age of 18. Some episodes also contain more specific themes which may be triggering. These episodes will feature further content warnings in the notes. Please take care of yourself and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. Watching the guards drag Kyla off was difficult for Bryn, even though she and I knew what was in store for Kyla. I could tell it was breaking Bryn's heart to watch her dragged off that way, feeling abandoned by us without a trial. But Bryn took my advice to research first and settle it later after finding the truth. Truth is something that Bryn and the others of the Council of Elders have not been so good about believing, seeing, or sharing. I suspect their recordings of history in these diaries will gloss over quite a few things about our people and our lives before the advent of humans appearing on our planet. The humans appearing here is merely a convenient incident with which to blame all our problems so that we don't have to take ownership of the crimes we committed by either being ignorant of them or turning our backs to them, pretending not to see. I'm Dalfia, by the way. I was born and raised in Tethia. My mother, Conwer, was a famous orator or bard. I guess humans might define her as a performer, a traveling minstrel. She would sing and tell grand stories of our earliest times. Ironically enough, those stories contained some of the hard truths that most Anturians ignored. It was easy for Anturians to pass on these stories and songs as fictionalized, since they were performed dramatically by performers like my mother. She was constantly on the move, and she met my father when she came into Tethia to perform. My father, Montv, was a commanding officer of our military forces. Oh, Kyla and Bryn didn't tell you. We did have military forces and police forces. We've had them for as long as we've had recorded history, just like humans. There are always Anturians out there trying to do evil things. Therefore, we always needed a force to keep people doing the right thing and punishing those who did not. In our society, it got a little out of hand. The whole population of the desert plains of Juroi was populated by those who couldn't or wouldn't live within our society's rules. Some of them were guilty of no more than stating truths that no one else wanted to hear. There you have it. Anyway, my father and mother met and fell in love when my mother came to town. My father was bound to another female at the time, a gardener much like Bryn. She was a sweet woman named Melis Towel. She was ignorant and kind. She had no formal education, and I suspect she was literate, but she never told me. At a young age, she was married to my father because her father owed my paternal grandfather some land and couldn't pay. Long, boring story short, my father lost interest in Melis quite early on in their relationship, but unlike humans, we didn't have divorce in those days. An Anturian couple must stay together for the rest of their life with whomever they choose to mate with for the first time. Most couples either lived unhappily with each other until one died or cheated on each other for the rest of their lives. 
and Turians who lived outside of those two options and refused to live with the person that they were bound to for eternity. Yep, you guessed it. They were outcast and sent to the plains of Duroy. My father and mother were sent there after their six-month affair. My father loved my mother like no other person on this planet. They were both disgraced from our society when she became pregnant with me. They permitted my parents to stay in Tethia to give birth to me, as no one wanted the death of a newborn baby on their conscience. Once I was born, they took me away from my parents and took both of my parents to the plains of Duroy. Melis raised me. To avoid shame on her or on me, they claimed that my father died and Melis had given birth to me. I believed that story growing up. I didn't know about my birth parents until many years later when Melis told me after my parents got word to her that they were alive and living as a part of the renegade society in Duroy. I realized what lies we Anturians have lived for centuries. Because as I researched things, I learned more and more Anturians lived with lies just like I did. Oddly enough, Melis, my parents, and I have long since become pretty close. I spent some time in Jeroy when I first became an adult, so I convinced Bryn to send Kyla off there, ensuring that my parents knew Kyla was coming. She will be challenged out there for sure, but she will not perish. Once the guards drug Kyla off, Bryn and I returned to our quarters in Chelgevelglen. After we were confident that we were alone, she looked up at me after sitting in a chair. You're sure she will be all right there? I nodded. Yes, I have confirmed that my father has sent a search party out to the marker to find her. They will be there on time to prevent her death, and the capsule will keep her alive for the journey there. Bryn seemed satisfied and then sighed. Thank you. Something doesn't seem right about all of this with Kyla. I don't know what it is, but I feel like we're being led astray on purpose, and I don't want to lose sight of what we need to do. I also want whoever is trying to manipulate us, if there is such a one, to relax and believe in their success. Absolutely, I added. I always admired Bryn's intelligence, even if she was more lethargic about things than I wanted her to be. She was not always the type historically to take action. And I hoped now that she heard some of my stories of that of my parents, combined with all of this that's happened since the Civil War began, that she would be waking up and be the leader that I knew she could be. I will have some of my researchers investigating these claims about Kyla discreetly, I assured Bryn. She looked down at her feet and then back up to me. I'm sorry, Dalphia. I'm having difficulty digesting all you told me about your family and your upbringing. All of this happened right under my nose. I have known you your whole life, and I was good friends with your mother in the Tethian Garden Club for years. I can't believe Melis would never mention any of this. I sat down next to Bryn. She looked so fragile at that moment, but I had to make her understand that she had to believe. Bryn, who could she tell? What would happen if she had told you the truth about my father and my real mother? Bryn blinked at me and thought, I would have shunned her. She was shocked at her response and answer. I would not have been able to visit her or talk to her anymore out of fear of being outcast and shamed with her. She began to stutter as her mind registered the consequences. I, I, I would never have been able to watch you grow up. I would have never been able to recommend you for the Council of Elders. You would have never been there to save my life. 
It was all realization flowing from her mind now. She was finally moving past the horror of facing down the bad parts of a wound that had festered for a long time. Now she was ready to start healing the wound. She could make sure the injury didn't recur. Even as they welled up with tears, I could see it in her eyes. Bryn was determined, and I was determined to be alongside her. My father and mother were correct. Bryn was the leader we needed for the future. She was the hope of our continued existence on this planet. I didn't tell her that piece yet, because I wasn't exactly sure what that meant to its full extent. I suspect my parents didn't know either. But there are prophets among Anturians who can simultaneously see into the past, the present, and the future. And they spoke of Bryn, just not her name. But you didn't know, and I did save your life, and now you know. And now we must all move forward with our decisions and understanding the crimes we have committed against our people for generations. Decisions we make to rebuild after the Civil War will need to factor in realigning these terrible truths with our culture. We cannot undo them, but we will need to learn to resolve them to survive. I took a deep breath and paused to let all that settle into her mind. I'm sorry, Bryn. I know it's a shock to you, but our world has not been as innocent as you imagined. Our society has forced us to ignore truths and sweep them under the rug. I hope that we can rebuild that part of our lives and whatever we create in the future. This way we do not have to live in shame and be outcast for simply being in love with someone different. It has been dangerous and we have been covering up reality for a long time, centuries. I took her hands in mine and squeezed them gently. Bryn, you are the one for this leadership role, and I am the one to stand by you every step of the way. We were chosen before we were born. Bryn blinked at me, not fully understanding the words, the words that I didn't fully understand myself. Whatever this unknown destiny was, we would make the best decisions possible and walk into the strange sphere together for the sake of our people. About a week later, we received word from my father that they found Kyla the following day after she was taken to the desert. She was in the hands of the renegades of Duroy now. She would have to pass their tests and to live their way in order to survive. Both Bryn and I believed she would be successful, but Bryn didn't know all the rituals required to prove yourself worthy as a member of the renegade society. I highly doubted that just because my father was involved, Kyla would have it easy to survive the brutality of those tests. I just I decided to withhold the details of those tests from Bryn, and I agreed with her that Kyla would be successful. My scouts were still getting information to either confirm or deny the stories of Kyla's treachery to Bryn and Anturia. Nothing definitive in either direction surfaced at this point of the research, only more ambiguous bits and pieces of information. It was quite confounding. Bryn and I sat at our personal dining table and ate a light dinner with some Anturian black wine. I leaned forward to look at a report on the war that came in earlier that day. It looks like all of the Anturians are now completely out of Tukduran except for a small group that managed to hide in uninhabited areas with difficult terrain. In Landorus, many of the communities have moved over to our control and to our favor. I was about to continue when Oswald burst through the door. It's happening! His eyes were wide, and he seemed to scurry around the room like a little field mouse running around trying to evade capture from a predator. It's happening! He threw his hands up in the air. It was so hard not to chuckle at him. Bryn adored him and treated him like her little brother. 
She was so patient with him, and he loved her. I did not doubt his loyalty to her. However, he was such a pathetic, squirrely little fellow. I often had to suppress laughter to avoid hurting his feelings. I don't think I ever met anyone like him in my life. Bryn stood up and ran over to him to calm him down. Easy, Oswald. She put her hands on his shoulders and encouraged him to take a deep and slow breath. He did. Now take one more slow breath and tell me what is happening, she asked of him kindly. He calmed down a little and looked into her eyes. The rebels have left all the other communities and are amassing on the outskirts of Tethia. They are staging a huge battle there. What will we do? Oswald began to wring his hands. Bryn rubbed his shoulders. It's okay, Oswald. I need you to calm down and go call the rest of the council to a meeting. We will gather our forces and we will meet them. Oswald nodded and hurried out of the room to do what he was good at doing, calling everyone together. Bryn turned to me as he left the room. Well, this may be our opportunity to end the war, she said, and take Tethia back over into our control as our headquarters. I blurted it all out before I realized it. She looked at me as though she had never thought of that before, and her eyes lit up. Yes, we can end the war and reestablish our headquarters, our capital there in Tethia, she exhaled. This underground place is wearing on me, I admitted to her. Bryn nodded. Me too. I need a garden again. I walked over to her and hugged her reassuringly. You will have the most beautiful garden of anyone in Tethia. I knew she was thinking about her granddaughter. She would forever associate flower gardens with her granddaughter, Afanen. She may even name her new garden after her granddaughter. It would not surprise me at all. Two days later, our forces were all converging on Tethia. Bryn and I had arrived on the outskirts of the community and sat across a table from each other inside a tent. We were looking over a map of the streets of Tethia that updated automatically with the positions of our forces and those reported of the rebels. Bryn pointed to an intersection banked by an old food supply building. We need to store some equipment, weapons, and food there. It's a strategic point. I nodded in agreement because it was a space they would not likely to think that we would use to stash things. It was also conveniently located with many routes in and out. Once the fighting begins, I can move a force a few blocks east of there to draw the rebels' attention, and you can get a group to stage the delivery there, I told her. Bryn nodded. That should work. Just make sure that the staging group has a way out in case they are cut off. We need alternate forces around to stage distractions at various... Bryn's comment was interrupted by a weir, who left Chell de Velglen with several troops of her own soldiers to fight with us. It started. Fighting has started in Agmirden Square, she said coolly. Who initiated it? I asked. If the Chell de Velglen troops were not involved, I wouldn't have to ask that question, because our soldiers would not have started fighting without our command. Their troops tended to be a little more aggressive, so I felt the need to ask a weir. It both amused and irked a weir as she looked pissed off, but I could see the corners of her lips tugged upward in a slight smirk. Satisfied with herself, she said, they attacked first. She enunciated her words quite clearly, so I would understand her meaning. I nodded and then looked away. Bryn smiled at me, trying not to chuckle, as she didn't miss the subtle exchange between Aweer and myself. Thank you, Aweer. Let's all get into our fighting positions. We will fully engage the rebels now.
Thank you for listening to Season 1, Episode 8, Cloudy to Clear, from the Anturia Diaries Prequel Stories Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast through your favorite podcast subscription app or at anturia.org. Season 1, Episode 9, Coming Home to Darkness, picks up in the community of Tethia as the battle wreaks havoc through the streets. Anturian against Anturian. Stay tuned. (laughs) 